You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Hey, will you help me show off for my next guest? You know what a braggart I can be, right? I have a very special guest in the on-deck circle. Her name is Kathleen Hall Jameson. You've seen her on television often. She's the Elizabeth Ware Packard Professor at the Annenberg School for Communication at no less than the University of Pennsylvania. She's hearing what I'm saying. Dan, we have we have some guinea pigs on hold who have no idea what I wish to ask them. That's correct. They just uh, called up and said, hey, I hear you're looking for a guinea pig. And I okay. said, yes. Perfect. So let, may I show off to Kathleen Hall Jameson the, the power of this audience? Please. Uh, where shall I begin? Who was first? Uh, first was uh, line two, Dave in Pittsfield. Okay. Dave, you're in Massachusetts. Greetings. You able to hear my voice? Yes, I am. Thank you. All right. Please don't embarrass me now because the the reputation of the program is on the line. Are you ready? You have no idea what I'm anything, but I'm ready. Oh, Jesus. Okay, here's the question. No, no, go ahead. I'm a retired firefighter. It's not my fault. Nice. Okay, good for you and thank you for your service. Would you kindly name for me protections specified in the First Amendment? What protections are specified in the First Amendment? Yeah, you are embarrassing me. Okay, uh, I, the First Amendment, I believe, is freedom of speech. Nice. Very well done. Uh, okay. Well, wait. There's there's more. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I can't go ahead. You have to go ahead. It's not just freedom of speech. What oh, else oh. is it? Oh, okay. Uh, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. Um, nice. Uh, isn't, well, so, let's see. Uh, freedom religion or freedom from religion not nice. sure either or I'll both take it. In there. I'm, I'm taking it that's three okay what else you got okay uh let's see uh freedom uh i don't know the wording but uh to a speedy trial mm. not there first or uh, no okay uh let's see uh Listen, it's not bad. I'll take it. You're 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 three okay. you're three you're three out of five. That's not bad. I'll put you on hold. We'll send you something. I don't know what it'll be, but I'll send you something. Just sit tight. This is Kathleen Hall Jameson. As I said, she's the Elizabeth Ware Packard Professor at the Annenberg School for Communication at the University of Pennsylvania, the Walter and Lenore Annenberg Director of the University's Annenberg Public Policy Center, and the assignment that I think sounds most cool the program director of the Annenberg Retreat at Sunnylands. 
That's a place I'd like to go. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Good to be with you. So the firefighter, Dave in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, he did pretty well, right? He did. He's missing press and petitioned government for redress of grievances, but he's doing a lot better than our national probability sample. And tomorrow is Constitution Day, which is what brings us together. And and you have just completed an assessment that I guess you've been doing for the last 20 or so years. Correct. Talk to me about the history and why. We're concerned that if people don't understand the fundamentals of how our government works and what the constitutional protections are within it, that they won't make sense of the news. They won't make sense of the issues at play in an election. And they might actually vote thinking that if they vote for X person, they're going to get X change when that's not where the power resides. Do you think that what's going on in the news impacts people's awareness and understanding? In other words, maybe we have it in reverse. You're you're saying, hey, if, if you don't understand what those freedoms are that you're entitled to in the First Amendment, it's going to impact the way in which you interpret news. Maybe what's going on in the news is impacting people's awareness. It's both. And one of the things that we've learned over the past three years is that when you have the branches of government in conflict, the percent of people who can name the branches go up. Remember, this is free recall. We ask the question, can you name? And people just top of the head have to tell us. So we had a lot of controversies two and three years ago involving branches of government. We had a lot of controversies involving the rights protected in the First Amendment and knowledge of them went up as a result. This year, we went back to what was the pre-baseline before those two contentious years. So you might say that we do learn when we have contest because there's more visibility in news, but also a whole lot of people, even in that environment, still couldn't name the branches, couldn't name the protections. And that means for some, the news isn't making a whole lot of sense to them because the news is about the nature of those contests. In other words, when the country goes through two impeachment trials in short order, people are reminded of the fact that we have a legislative branch and we have an executive branch and we have a judicial branch. Correct. And when you have protests, people begin to hear about, think about and talk about right to peaceably assemble. And people say, but now remember, peaceably is in there. You have disputes about what constitute the boundaries of accepted speech within the Constitution. So we had we had a lot of protests in different kinds of context, contexts across those earlier years. This has been a quieter year on those fronts. And as a result, knowledge did drop. But we still had, even across those th- that three-year period, a very large percent of the population that couldn't name any branches and couldn't name any protections in the First Amendment. If you don't know what those protections are, you're less likely to cherish and to fight to keep them and to recognize when someone's trying to abridge them. What do you think the impact was of the pandemic? I think the impact of the pandemic was that our schooling situation made it virtually impossible for teachers to do all of the wonderful things that they ordinarily are able to do. And as a result, some things fell to the side. We're seeing a whole lot of children now, as you know, from the national data uh, who are coming into the classroom and they're behind their, their reading level for their grade. They're behind their basic knowledge levels. And part of what that means is when we say, now make sure we're teaching the fundamentals of the Constitution, These teachers are saying, yes, we know it's important, but we still have to make sure that we've got all the other things that are getting done. So this is more important than parents and everybody in society. Remember, we've got an obligation to be communicating the basics of our Constitution outside the classroom, too, not just in. And that means journalists, when you're writing those stories, put the parenthetical phrases in that let people understand what the prerogatives of the branches are so that you can build that understanding up so that it's even deeper among those who may have kind of forgotten. Where do you think we're failing young people at home, 
or the way in which they're being educated, some combination of both? I think the, we ought to think of it in positive terms and say that all of us have an obligation to, to all of us. So civics education isn't just about children and about schooling. It is also about adults and adults understanding. Remember, this is a survey of the adult population. Once you get out of school, it's easy to forget some of those things that you learned in a civics class. Although having taken a civics class in high school or in college does predict increased likelihood that you get these right. And Michael, this is an important thing. When people get these answers wrong, the, fu the fundamental answers, branches, protections, what is a veto? Why do we have a veto? They're more likely to say if the Supreme Court issues unpopular rulings, maybe we should just get rid of the Supreme Court. So knowing these things not only helps you be a better citizen, better be able to protect your rights, but it also helps stabilize our government and support for our governmental structures. You anticipated something that I was going to say, Dr. Jameson. I'm a product of an era where I did have a civics course. It was in junior high school, now called middle school. And my my feeling is that maybe in an era of mandatory testing and all the standardized tests, that's what I'm trying to say. Some courses fell by the wayside. I think Woodshop fell by the wayside. I think Home Ec fell by the wayside. I think Civics fell by the wayside. That's just me anecdotally hypothesizing. Do you know? Yes, there, there are fewer courses that are called civics, but the difficulty in measuring whether we've actually seen a drop in the number of experiences that you would call civics education is that some of that content migrated into history courses and social studies courses. And so that's more difficult to measure. But what we can say is that when people report having had a course in civics education, however they define it, they are more likely to get these answers right. And that's after we've controlled for all of the other things that could matter, such as educational level. You know, a couple of years ago, I had the privilege of speaking at a naturalization service. And mm -hmm. what I learned in that process, I first of all, I, I had to learn things about what these folks had gone through in order to become U.S. citizens. And I came away thinking they probably know more of this than people who are naturally born. They do. And they, uh, on Constitution Day, the Civics Renewal Network, which people can find online, Civics Renewal Network, CRN, has materials that can be used to celebrate Constitution Day. It'll also tell you about naturalization ceremonies. And in many parts of the country, the courts on Constitution Day invite classrooms in to naturalization ceremonies. Being a part of the, being a citizen is not simply understanding things, it's feeling things. It's, it's understanding why we should love our country. And part of the way you come to appreciate that and not simply take it for granted is to see the look on the faces of those who have just after after a very difficult process, become citizens of the United States. I love the exercise in which classes go to help celebrate with these new citizens and naturalization ceremonies. Okay, so let's let's step back and talk big picture. This is Kathleen Hall Jamison from the Annenberg School at Penn. Dr. Jamison sharing with us the result of some recent data analysis. They've been doing this for 20 years. Tomorrow is Constitution Day, which is why she's here today. We're celebrating the anniversary of the day on which the Constitution was actually signed, right? 17, uh-oh, 86? Uh-oh, 86 or 87? I'm, now I'm embarrassed. But, 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 but Michael, let's, let me say something important about that. Yeah. Sometimes we think that what's important is do people remember dates or do you remember right. how many amendments there are? What's important isn't that. It's what's important is that you know that we ratified a constitution and what's in the constitution. So, you know, I, I like to joke that at one point they asked the question, do you know when Paul Revere rode 
I don't care when Paul Revere rode. What I care about is whether people understand why he rode, whether he rode or not, and what kind of a government structure we got as a result of the activities of our founders. So what is it you most want us to know as we look toward Constitution Day tomorrow? That the Constitution is a document that gave us a system of government that is highly resistant, highly resilient, and resistant to pressures that might take away our rights. And as a result, across time, we have been able to change the structures that didn't work. And we have, we have across time, developed new understandings. We've righted wrongs. We still have a long way to go. But this system has proven durable because it's a flexible system that has boundaries, but also has its checks and balances. And within those checks and balances and rights and responsibilities, we're protected against government overreach. And we, by voting, can make change. Dr. Jameson, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Pleasure to be with you. That's Kathleen Hall Jameson, ladies and gentlemen, from the Annenberg School for Communication at the University of Pennsylvania. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest Internet with faster speeds rolling out every day and Internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. I see some lingering guinea pigs. Uh, OK, Christopher, I'll, I'll, I'll play, but I, I can't I'm, I'm not going to do a whole trivia thing. I really was hoping I could launch a substantive conversation here about how we collectively become more knowledgeable about the Constitution. But for you, Christopher, are you ready? Yes. Uh, let me just take a look here from the uh, the survey. Oh, uh, no. Does the First Amendment? Pardon me. I, I said, "Oh no." <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I, was, I was hoping I'd get that first one again. Does the First Amendment protection of freedom of speech 
mean that Facebook must permit all Americans to freely ex- express themselves on Facebook pages. Does the First Amendment protection of freedom of speech mean that Facebook must permit all Americans to freely express themselves on Facebook pages? Absolutely not. They're a private company. The data is hosted on their private servers, and they have every right to control what is or isn't on that platform. Well, that was just beautifully Uh, stated. That was just well said. Do you know that over half of those surveyed, 51%, compared to 61% in 2021, incorrectly believe it's accurate to state that the First Amendment's protection of freedom of speech means they've got to permit all Americans to get access and say what they want to say? I I absolutely believe that. Uh, Not enough people realize that the First Amendment protects you from the government restricting your speech. But what makes you so smart, like by the way? You, where where did you pick up whatever knowledge it is that you have? Wh- where did you pick it up? Well, I listen to you every day. <laughs> Thank you. Way to go. And you, <laughs> and and you subscribe the to the Michael. newsletter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I read the newsletter. The magic words. All you need to do, and you you immediately get your time extended and are treated with great respect by the host of the program, <laughs> is make reference to the newsletter, and then you're in. All right, Christopher, thank you, sir, in Topeka, Kansas. I appreciate it very much. Can we have a conversation about the data suggesting that, and, you know, I know it's the sort of thing that you would see a late-night comedian on a slow day. They send out somebody with a microphone, and they say, hey, you know, go ask who the, who's the vice president, and then it's always good for a couple of laughs. But it is distressing, isn't it? After two years of considerable improvement, Americans' knowledge of some basic facts about their government has fallen to earlier levels with less than half of those surveyed able to name the three branches of government. This for the 2022 Annenberg Constitution Day Civics Survey. I mean, come on, you ought to know the three branches of government, right? Greg, you're in California. I understand that you are a high school civics teacher. I'm glad to know there are high school civics teachers. Yeah, hi, Michael. Um, hey. I'm, my name is Greg. I'm in California. I teach at a high-end early college high school. Mm-hmm. Where in high school, and still, I'm a, I teach all seniors, to, and I teach civics course. In California, it's a mandated requirement for graduation for high school to take a civics course as a senior. I was a little shocked that you said the only civics course you took was in middle school because here's why: they have U.S. history in middle school. They have U.S. history in 11th grade. And I get students who've taken all of that, and they know nothing about the Constitution or very little because it's in, my, in the civics class that we take a deep dive into it. Sure. And so in, as a senior, anyway. Yeah, well, it was 100 years ago also. Hey, I'm, I'm thrilled. I did not know, and I love hearing that California has that as a requirement for seniors. I think it's great. Yeah, I hey, Greg, hey, Greg, uh, Greg, joy, let me let me tell you, let me just tell you a quick story. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into this later when I do the headlines uh, today on my website and in my newsletter. And I, I, I draw on s- stories that I think are going to have national significance, not just, you know, be a local yokel. But I could not help post a story about my alma mater. My high school is very much in the news. And the reason is that. The school board has just determined, should I say the school board or school administrators? Well, how about this? The school district has made a decision 
that when a student in high school, my high school, requests to be referenced as a name other than the way they're registered, this is the whole pronoun issue, that instead of accommodating that request, the response will be to notify the guidance counselor and to schedule a meeting with the parents. First of all, I want to ask you, how often do these things occur? And secondly, what's the policy at your school? Uh, It occurs in every single class, multiple students. And um, our policy is we always go with what the student prefers to be called. Yeah. I mean, which to me is the right outcome. That's our policy. Yeah, I mean, my God, it, they're, they're I mean, difficult enough years already. Now now you're going to out some kid to their parent, and maybe that's not going to go over so well? I don't like it. I really don't like it. Michael, you're exactly right. In fact, what we'll have is when the parents are around, let's say, at a conference or at one of our events, uh, the, the child will ask, I should say student, because I teach 18-year-old old and 17-year-olds, the student will say, can you, call, can you refer to me as this among my parents? But at school, this is what I want to be called. And we defer to that. That's fine. That's their decision. That's their choice. Right. Yeah. And certainly if it's certainly a personal identity. Yeah. yeah, I mean, speaking of civics, especially if they've reached majority status, if they're if they're 18, maybe it's a little more complicated if they're younger. But these are high school kids that I'm that I'm I'm talking about. Thank you, Greg. I got to run. Have a good day in California. I appreciate it very much. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest Internet with faster speeds rolling out every day and Internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. This is Don in Kentucky. Hi, Don. Hi, Michael. Uh, Quickly, I just want to say I learned my love of government through a 
uh, merit badge counselor through the Boy Scouts, uh, citizenship in the home uh, community and nation and world brotherhood. I uh, got a degree in political science, and my wife and I, uh, because we don't have any children, it started a, a small foundation. Don, wait a minute, I'm here. I didn't finish your sentence. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, so my uh, my wife and I don't have any children, so we started a small uh, foundation through Purdue uh, University Northwest for two political science students each year. Well, that's fabulous. Uh, so, you. Yeah. Yeah. Love Nicely your show. Done. Love your uh, newsletter. Thank you, sir. I don't yeah, agree now, with you all the time, but that's, you know, yeah, that's I, I, Don, Don, I don't agree with me all the time. Yes, it's sir. okay. It is okay. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Now, everybody knows how to push my button now, don't they? Oh, the newsletter. I love the newsletter. Um, Fred is in Brooklyn. Hi, Fred. Greetings. What are you thinking today? Uh, hey, Michael. Hey. Um, it's on the Constitution. Um, one of the things I'm embarrassed to say, but gosh, I wonder how many how many Americans know about Constitution Day. This is the first I've ever heard of it. Um, and I wonder, one, do you have any idea? Is that something new? Has it been around a long time? And why do you think maybe I, almost nobody I, knows about it? Yeah, I think it has been around for a while. I can't tell you for how long it's been a while. It's, it's certainly not the first time that that I've made note of it uh, doing a radio program, but it, it doesn't get the kind of attention, you know, that it, it warrants. It's not a holiday anywhere, but I, I think it's important, right. and obviously you do too. I think it's a good thing to sort of pause and say, hey, let's reflect on our knowledge of the basic documents that gave yeah. rise to the country. And I think on, on education about the Constitution is a, a very important subject, and I think so much can come out of starting with the Constitution in a civics class or whatever and saying, you know, we're going to talk about the next whole semester or whatever. We're going to look at things, looking at the Constitution and then looking at the broader society. Yeah, what I like does it, it. mean? Uh, maybe not getting into all, all the decisions. That gets pretty complicated, although there's some that everybody should know about. Um, so it's that. I just wanted to make a quick um, comment about the border, if I may. Quickly. Um, my concern. My biggest concern, single biggest concern, it doesn't seem to come up very often, is the number of terrorists who are crossing the border based on the number who they've caught. The ones that they know of are well over 100. And I'm concerned these terrorist organizations are sitting back and they're saying, hey, as long as we're getting them in, let's not cause any trouble. Let's wait till we have a critical mass and we can do some really nasty things. If you were, intent on, doing, if you were intent on doing bad things in this country... Where would you be coming? Yes. Why would you Why would you fly through an airport and and have to deal with TSA and screening and quarter customs and border patrol? You'd, you'd come in through our southern flank. I think it's a I think it's a reasonable point that you are making. I think it's a reasonable point that you are making. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from nine a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM POTUS channel one twenty four or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.
Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest Internet with faster speeds rolling out every day and Internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.